the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey there, it is Faith Talk Live. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. Can you believe it's it's Friday? Praise the Lord. And so, pass the uh, whatever, I don't know. Was it the potatoes? Pass, pass the, the potatoes. potatoes, sure, yeah. That's what they used to say. Is it is it me or is it that some weeks seem like it's two weeks before we get to Friday and then some it's like a couple of days and bang, here's Friday. Yeah, well, and that's kind of, for me, how January went because January usually seems to take like three months long. But this past January, it, it's flown by and here we are in February. Well, for me, it's years. I mean, I it was just 1994, just yesterday. And now yeah, look at well, it, it's uh, 2023. Uh, I was uh, 34. Now I'm 62. What happened? I don't know. I know. I know. Life, life, uh, life happened. Uh, hey, if you, uh, if by chance you miss our uh, our show, Faith Talk Live, and hey, life happens. Uh, you can listen to us on our podcast. It's uh, Faith Talk Live podcast at faithtalkatlanta.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can uh, listen to it again, or if you miss it, uh, you can listen to. Uh, when we talk to guests, we have had some great guests. We always have great guests and, uh, Dan and I talking about, uh, odds and, uh, ends. So, uh, faithtalkatlanta.com. All right. I read this the other day and, uh, it's, uh, I, I've heard of this before. This is not the first time I've heard this. Uh, an Atlanta fire department puts out a fire in their own station. Now, pretty close, okay. Flowery Branch, which is right there off of 985 over there in Gwinnett County. The mm-hmm. firefighters returned to the fire station on Sunday morning uh, uh, to a fire. The stove was apparently left on and uh, somebody burnt the breakfast. Of so, all the people in the world to leave the stove <laughs> on, it's the firefighters. <laughs> you think somebody got in trouble for that? Was it Cookie the Cook? <laughs> somebody did get in trouble and you know the rest of the local fire uh stations probably will make fun of that station yes for for years yes. to come hey but don't don't cast stones don't don't throw hoses don't point hoses yeah. because it could happen <laughs> it could happen to you it could happen to you you're right i i have heard of that before i mean you know you're right though i mean hey they're they're firemen they I guess they were in so much of a hurry. I'd... Yeah. Sliding down that pole, they forgot to turn off the gas or whatever. Now, don't they, I guess it depends on the size of the, of the, of the fire department. I mean, somebody stays back behind to kind of administrate and make sure everything's good. Right. You know, I would think, but I guess in that situation, they didn't, unless they just were asleep unless and didn't realize what was going on. Unless it's a smaller a uh, smaller station. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, if you know, if you're a fire fire person, uh, call Shamso and and uh, tell her, and she'll let us know. Believe me, she'll let us know. 404-995-7300. All right, this was interesting. Uh, some parents 
last week. Uh, it's it's really kind of it's kind of sick, really. If you, if I'll read you the story, a baby mm. was abandoned at Tel Aviv Airport when parents re- refused to buy a ticket for the infant. The unnamed parents were headed to Belgium. And as they rushed to security to board their flight, they left their son who did not have a ticket for the flight. The airport staff notified security and the parents were taken into questioning and no one made the flight on time. I guess no one means the people on the, on the plane. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. Wow. Now what are you thinking? I'm thinking, I wonder if they didn't want to, they didn't want that baby anyway. And maybe they figured this is the way to do it. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Either that or they're just so self-absorbed that they just, they're like, oh, we got to make the flight. And they just completely forgot about the baby because they're so self-absorbed. Now, I cannot imagine that thought at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I pick on, I pick on my, I always have picked on the boys and still pick on the boys. Hey, I, uh, uh, it, you know, if. I'm going to take you down to the gypsy camp and drop you off and I'm not coming back. And well, that explains know. why they need counseling so much, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they know I'm kidding. Yeah. You know, even Jake, I mean, Jake, Jake will go, no, dad. But he thinks it's funny because he knows yeah. I'm kidding. I would never, ever, ever do that. Have I been tempted? Of course, we're all tempted. <laughs> would I? No. <laughs> no, I just love them. And I, and you know, I, as I told them growing up and still do, I love you no matter what. So no matter what, you know, they face, they're your children. They're, yeah. I mean, they're your children. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine doing that. Yeah. I, I can't either. That's yeah. I, I have no words. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you'll have no words for this one either. And I don't know. Um, I read this too last week. Um, 19-year-old Madison Russo was arrested on January 23rd for allegedly scamming donors out of $37,000 by saying that she had pancreatic cancer and a tumor the size of a football. She did this on the TikTok. <laughs> and uh, people, of course, are moved by things like that. So they, they gave, hmm. um, but she faked it all. She's now she's going to prison 10 years. Good. There's consequences for your actions, kids. What are you thinking? She wasn't. What are you thinking? She wasn't. She she probably heard a story about somebody, you know, scamming people and thought, oh, I can do that. I need $37,000. You know, the sad thing is, is that, well, she did it. That's, that's, that's just cold and sad and and manipulative and selfish, yeah. et cetera. But now when, if you get something like that on a TikTok or Facebook or GoFundMe or whatever, you're going to have second thoughts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And there's no, uh, way- yeah, this whole world has made me more skeptical about everything. It does that, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's just like, uh, I mean, like we have, I mean, we have, pan- when we go downtown, there are panhandlers there mm-hmm. where we work. But there's also, I'm sure there's a few in your community you see every now and then. And we have some, and they usually show up at uh, at the Kroger or at Publix or Walmart. Of course, you know, those are, are, are heavy trafficked areas. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to, you know, get as, as, as much as they can. 
and it just depends. Even I, I do give them if they have children and they may be, Hey, let me borrow your kid. I'm going to yeah. go make some money. Yeah, and that's, see, that's how my brain thinks is, yeah. Oh, I'm sure they just, yeah. And I do think that, but then I go, eh, you know, it looks like a family and the kids probably need food and, and, and the uh, kids got a really sad face on because yeah. they told me, he told him to look sad. He got a sad face and a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, hey, mister, will you give me some money? I need a lollipop. <laughs> One day I was in Buckhead. This was many years ago. I don't know where you were because usually we travel together if we mm. walk out. Uh, to yeah, next you don't want to travel alone in Buckhead. Star, not anymore. The no. star bizzle. Yeah. And uh, some young guy had sunglasses on and, and I guess it was his girlfriend, his partner, whatever. And uh, he said he ran out of gas and he happened to have a, a, um, uh, a gas can, one of those plastic gas cans with him. Wanted to know if he could have some money uh, for gas. Uh. I don't remember. I don't think I gave him any because I didn't have any money at, at the time. And so he just moved along. I saw the same guy about a month later and he was running down the street and he had some copper type uh, pipe in his hand. So and I know that, you know, copper pipe, you can turn that into somebody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get money. Get money off of it. So I was like, ah, that guy, that guy really was a panhandler. So mm -hmm. some of these some of these stories. But then, you know, it's like, then you think, well, maybe they not, not those, those folks, but you know, some other folks, maybe they do need help. I don't know. It's tough. I guess that's why we, that's just why we need to just to listen to the voice of the Lord. Listen say, to the yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Hey, check out our website, uh, faithtalkatlanta.com. I'm not going to tell you that the Holy Spirit told you to go there. I, Dan and I are asking you to go there, faithtalkatlanta.com. What, what do we have on there that's new and exciting, Dan? Oh, boy, do we have lots of stuff. We have, uh, well, most importantly, I think this is cool. You can win a VIP experience uh, for the Jesus Revolution, the movie that's coming out uh, on February 24th. That's just about the whole the Jesus movement, and it stars Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in The Chosen. He's playing uh, Lonnie Frisbee, who was a whole part of that movement. Kelsey Grammer is in it, and it looks like it's just going to be a phenomenal movie. And you can win two tickets to the Hollywood Red Carpet premiere on February 24th. You can sign up uh, once a day at faithtalkatlanta.com. Hey, if by chance you get to go, uh, take a picture or two or ten and uh, send it to us. We'd love to see you on the red carpet or there and and just the folks uh, around. Yeah, take a picture of you and Jonathan and, and you and Kelsey Grammer, especially. I love Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, and even Pastor Greg Laurie and Dave yeah. Spiker. Do you think Dave will be there? I'm surely Dave will be there. Yeah, do that. FaithDogAtlanta.com and check out all the stuff uh, that's there. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. This is Faith Talk. Hey there, it is Faith Talk Live. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. What a pleasure to talk with Paul Batura. He is a writer based out of Colorado Springs and vice president of communications at Focus on the Family, host of the What a Life Lessons from Legends podcast. It's good to have him. If you're watching Facebook Live, YouTube Live, he is the handsome one out of three of us. Paul, how are you? 
Well, I don't know if that's true, Rick, but thank you. Good to be with you and Dan as well. Appreciate the invitation. We were just talking a little bit before we went live about uh, you have authored many books, and uh, the one that got my attention right off the bat was the Paul Harvey one that you wrote back, uh, uh, You, I guess you released it the same year he died or right after, right? Yeah, that's right. Back in 2009. It's hard to believe he's been gone for that long, but people like us who grew up listening to him, mm-hmm. uh, that name is just synonymous with news radio and um Boy, that voice uh, brings back lots of memories. Yeah, definitely you know, does. You know, and help me help me a little bit because it has been a, a, a long time uh, since we've heard that voice. I never thought of Paul as someone that was on the right or the left. He always delivered his commentary pretty much uh, in the in the center, uh, if you will. Do you, th- do you think so? Yeah, I think so. He deliberately stayed in Chicago because he said he wouldn't be uh, caught up in the New York or the West Coast media. He said he could look both ways and see the same distance. That was his his uh, rationale. Yeah. Uh, he was, you know, unabashedly traditional. Today, he'd be considered conservative. I think yeah. back when he was in his prime, he'd probably be considered very middle of the road, but very commonsensical, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Paul Batura with us, uh, Paul Batura with us uh, from Focus on the Family, Vice President of Communications. Uh, we got uh, an email to talk to you, and we really do want to talk to you about uh, what's going on in your podcast, of course. But the latest attack on the pro-life movement from from the left, or Roe v. Ve- Roe v. Wade overturned, as we all know. Uh, but that that wasn't the end of the fight. Uh, but here we are, and the attacks uh, don't stop. Uh, I, I didn't expect that they would. But let's talk about uh, that. Well, the latest attacks. Yeah, it, it never will stop, I think. Uh, there is such an ingrained uh, animosity towards people of faith. And, uh, the you know, as we say that the fall of Roe was not the end, it wasn't even the beginning uh, of the end. It was just the end of the beginning uh, for us. But what strikes me is how leftist journalists in particular uh, want to try and divide the pro-life community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no group has been more united, really, uh, at least when I say no group, I suppose no group on any one issue within the right have been more united with our uh, opposition to abortion. The left, of course, often marches in lockstep with their issues. But, uh, you know, people uh, of conservative ilk are independent thinkers. They tend to have strong opinions about different things for various reasons. But on the life issue, we're all in agreement. And uh, and yet, uh, the New York Times, uh, you know, loves to t- try and point out how divided the group is. And they they try and cite as their evidence these issues and these debates that are now happening on a state level regarding pro-life legislation, pro-life opposition, pro-life prohibitions and um, ballot initiatives. And there is for sure a good, healthy, hearty conversation about what we should do, how we should do it. But it's just on a state by state basis. Mm. Uh, I don't consider that division. I consider that healthy conversation. And uh, again, it's um, uh, just I, I, I hope our listeners and your listeners and, and readers and watchers understand what this, the left is trying to do. They're trying to you know, stick a spoke in our wheel and slow us down. And um, I don't think it'll work, but it, they, they certainly are trying. 
along with just informing folks about what's going on, uh, talk about what focus on the, the folks that focus on the family uh, are, are doing. You know, you've got uh, Minnesota, I think, who just uh, recently passed a, a pretty stringent uh, law, of, of, you know, protecting abortion. Uh, talk about the fight now and, and what you guys are doing. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Paul Harvey. He had a, at the beginning, he had a, a line that he would say repeatedly is that um, excesses ultimately, inevitably, eventually are their own undoing. If you remember mm-hmm. that. And um, I think what we're seeing with this is that we're seeing uh, pro-abortion states now uh, almost um, expanding abortion rights and making it more available. Uh, and uh, I mean, here you have born alive legislation that was passed in the House of Representatives Thankfully, by the new majority, it's now about to be introduced into the Senate. I mean, this is not radical legislation. I mean, this is legislation that uh, prohibits infanticide. And yet uh, people on the left are objecting to it. They're saying that it's radical. We're the ones being called radical, which is, uh, you know, brings to mind scripture that call evil good and good evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, it, it is going to be a state by state uh, conversation. Um, you know, we're looking at, um, you know, probably an evenly, almost evenly divided country with as many states uh, fa- uh, friendly to life with, and then as many hostile to it. Mm-hmm. So Minnesota is the latest that just kind of uh, takes your breath away. And yet um, there are also other states that we're very, very uh, encouraged by. Right. Paul Batura with us. Uh, He is a writer out of Colorado Springs, also vice president of communications at Focus on the Family and host of the What a Life Lessons from Legends uh, podcast. So it's uh, really up to all of us, of course, to continue to pray and continue to speak out. What else can we do, Paul? Well, uh, yeah, speak out and pray and get involved on the local level. You know, every town, every, every state area is going to have a pregnancy resource center. There's going to be adoption agencies. There's going to be uh, foster care uh, that needs help. Um, you know, I'm, my wife and I are thrilled to be adoptive parents. Not everyone is in a position to adopt, uh, but everyone's in a position to help. So whether it's uh, offering to provide respite care for couples who are doing foster care, whether it's donating uh, uh, formula or donating uh uh, hand-me-down clothes or new clothes uh, or backpacks. We have a great campaign where we actually donate suitcases because so many children who are in foster care uh, literally have to take everything they own from house to house, and they often do it in trash bags. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to uh, give them some dignity and the honor that they deserve. And so um, a lot of other groups are doing this too, but we're thrilled to get to do it. So kids are getting... Uh, a Bible, a teddy bear, and a suitcase that they can put their life's possessions in. Which wow. is, you think about all your life's possessions fitting in a suitcase, um, but these are young children, and um, uh, they need all the help that they we can give them. Yeah, Paul, you and, and Julia, I just read this this morning, uh, as you just mentioned about your boys, uh, Riley, Will, and and Alex. Did you adopt them all at the same time, one one at a time? How did that work for you guys? Yeah, they not all at once. Uh, uh, all at birth, uh, they're now 17, uh, 12, and 10. Wow. And like any adoption or any adoptive family, all their stories are very unique, very different. Um, but just it's an honor to get to be a father and get to be father to these boys. Um, we're just so grateful. And just the the love that it shows them that they are 
chosen it's, it's you know one yeah, of your yeah. books is chosen for greatness um that's that's so awesome uh any any new books in the hopper in your head that you're working on right now paul uh i've got a few ideas i'm working on a children's um a new children's series that um kind of came out of uh, some family stories that i tell our boys not quite ready for public uh um conversation yet but um yeah. you know how creative projects go but this um, this new project that I've been doing, uh, which I just kind of call it for short, it's kind of an obit podcast. is sort of a, a life passion of mine. Uh, people kind of look at me funny when I say I like reading obituaries, but uh, <laughs> I do, and I know I'm not the only one. But it's uh, it's pretty fascinating what you can learn from other people's lives. Yeah, Paul Batura, Paul Batura from Focus on the Family. All right, we got a couple of minutes, Paul. What about the podcast? What a life lessons from legends podcast uh what's up with that and uh tell us about your latest podcast yeah i you know it's this is something that i've been thinking about for a long time and my wife finally told me stop talking about it just do it (laughs) does anyone have a wife like that who kind of calls you out on uh what you need to do so it's been no not at all no no it's been it's been fun so you know all every day i just try and feature someone sometimes they're notable sometimes they're uh, obscure. I mean, this morning's that I just did was um, a gentleman name of John Adams, not the John Adams, but uh, he was uh, a guy in Cleveland who uh, for 3,700 games went to Indian, now Guardian games, and banged a drum and uh, oh, he, wow. to try and get the, the, the crowd all revved up. And, uh, you know, it's kind of obscure. You think, well, what can you learn from that? And I thought, you know, here's a guy who came and created an atmosphere, created a following, Fans loved him. He loved the fans. Uh, he's became became an icon. He has a, a bronze drum now at the stadium. He's in the Cleveland Hall of Fame. Uh, and it all started with an idea and an idea to try to encourage other people. He was only 71. Uh, I love the stories of the people who die real old, you know, because those are and believers. Those tend to be happy deaths. Um, but you can read a lot. Uh, you can learn a lot, excuse me, by reading and listening uh, to the lives of other people. So that's sort of uh, a little quirky passion of mine. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, when you do a podcast, is it just for yourself or is it just for some, some <laughs> fellow aficionados, but it's been a, it's been fun to try Give a shot, give it a shot. That's very cool. I like, it. Yeah. I'm excited about uh, checking it out. Do you drop a new one every week or once a month or just whenever you feel like you've got something together that's, that's, that, that you're proud of? Well, I, I've been uh, doing it actually every day. I, I have, uh, I've only been doing it for two months, two and a half. So I have 70 of them up now. Wow. Wow. They're just short. I mean, they're two minutes. Um, someone told me they'd be great sermon prep for pastors because they're little anecdotes and vignettes yeah. about people's lives. Um, yeah, it's just a little, uh, we'll see how long it goes. Uh, I'd like to do long, longer version Um can't interview the people, but I could interview people who knew them, right? Um, right. Yeah. Right, right. I have this pesky thing called a full-time job. That, uh, <laughs> they always get in the way, don't they? <laughs> that's in the way, yeah. But I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. I'm. I'm. I'm believe it or not, I just start uh, celebrating my 25th anniversary here at Focus on the Family. Oh wow! Congratulations. So, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. But we're you know we're grateful for you guys. I mean we're all in partnership together here. Right. Without, Without what you do, we wouldn't get to do what we do since you're the microphone and the megaphone for uh, sharing the good work that the team here does. Well, we, we appreciate, appreciate you it. saying that. We really do. And and all of you there uh, on the team. Hey, check out Paul's podcast. I'm going to do it. 
I'm pretty excited about it. What a life lessons from legends podcast and uh, then pick up uh, some of his books uh, uh, the, the good day the Paul Harvey chosen for greatness how adoption changes uh, the world uh, just so many uh, uh, men, uh, Arnold Palmer book I just noticed uh, as well wow just so vast on topics good stuff Paul love that and uh, also check out focus on the family uh, com. Paul we appreciate you we got to take a break we'd love to talk to you again Really, we really, really would. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. This is Faith Online. Hey there, it is Faith Talk Live. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. Look, it's one of our favorites. Yes, Lisa Anderson uh, from Focus on the Family and host of The Boundless Show. She is one of our favorites. And uh, we have decided that anyone who's single and watching or listening, you have to run all your date information if you're going to get married through Lisa. She's got an app and she's going to run it through (laughs) and make sure that person is good and give you a thumbs up and then we'll go from there. Lisa, how are you? I am doing well. That is so true, you guys. People need to do that. In fact, I even tell my fellow employees here, like some of these 20-somethings are like randomly getting engaged. And I'm like, did you even run this person by me? What's going on? I need to, I need to do Like I'm everyone's dad. I need to sit down with them and have this talk. You know, marriages probably would be better if uh, some of them started with a, a good little tough talk with with Lisa. I uh, actually, this is funny you mentioned this because my own niece uh, met her husband. I'm going to say it on Tinder, guys. Uh, this was after she read my book. So I don't <laughs> even know where I specifically decry Tinder and its use and being a big colossal waste of time. Yeah. And so uh, she's still paying for that one. Oh, <laughs> he seems to be a he seems to be a good guy, but I'm like, this is like, are you just asking for trouble, or what are you doing here? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. what are the chances? So, yeah. you know, you 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 bring up an interesting point because there is wisdom. The Bible says in a multitude of counselors, and I know that the heart. I mean, that heart is a funny thing because you can decide this is before you get into a relationship, this is the way it's going to be, blah, blah, blah. And then when you get into that relationship, the heart kind of gets stupid, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so mm-hmm. that's why you need somebody like a Lisa Anderson uh, or a Lisa Anderson book, a podcast. <laughs> it's, it's said, no, it's the truth. I mean, really? Uh, and you bring up something which we want to talk about, uh, which I had never heard of before. And you're around young people all the time. Where was Lisa Anderson, Dan, when you and I were dating our wives? Yeah, well, that was a long well, time was, ago. I, I don't think she was born yet, actually. She probably wasn't born yet. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> well, no, you, 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 somehow you, you survived. So yes. that's good yeah, to know. Yes. No, our wives survived. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be diplomatic there, yeah. but okay. <laughs> All right, you talk about something. Uh, this is something with the current culture. It's called situationship. Situationship. Now, yes. kind of d- define that. I have the definition here, but I want to hear it from you. And and what is this? Yeah, as if there wasn't enough dating dysfunction in our culture, <laughs> we now get to add the situationship, which, uh, depending on who you talk to, Rick, uh, we're basically talking about this could be if if you were to read this article in Cosmo or in you know the the relationship pages of the New York Times or whatever, 
Um, you would hear it largely in terms of like, it could be a friends with benefits kind of situation. It could be just a, a very platonic slash whatever kind of relationship. I mean, the culture, it's kind of all bets are off. For Christians, in fact, I often, in, even in my book, The Dating Manifesto, I refer to it as the friend relationship. Uh, situationship is another way uh, that it's it's being called. But this is basically where you have two people who start out as friends. Nothing in the relationship is really defined, um, but someone starts usually developing feelings for the other person. Mm -hmm. But because nothing's defined, you kind of just have to hang in there and see where it goes. And so really, it's interesting because in a secular culture, there's much less expectation. And so either the conversation doesn't need to happen or they have the conversation and it's just like, this is no strings attached. We're just whatever. We're going to make this relationship uh, whatever we want it to be. But in a in a Christian context, and for those who are more uh, values driven in the way they do relationships, where it gets muddy is you want to have a relationship. You maybe one party wants it to go somewhere but because there's no pattern or progression to it, you're kind of just waiting and hedging your bets. And mm -hmm. so I often describe it as, you know, Ashley and Ben are friends. Um, Ashley starts like liking Ben, but, you know, nothing's defined. So she just kind of is there Well, they are hanging out all all the time. Friday nights, you know, they're one another's pizza date because really they're just a sure bet and all of that. Uh, they have designated ringtones for each other. They know each other's favorite Starbucks drink. Maybe they have pet names, whatever. Um, they're just kind of always there. Well, but because now Ashley likes Ben, she feels like she's invested a lot of time in him. And so she just needs to hang out and hope that per every 80s rom-com, he <laughs> is going to eventually wake up and realize what's right in front of him yeah. and have this amazing epiphany. Okay, well, what he does instead is one day after hanging out for, let's say, a year, a year and a half, he comes to her and says, hey, do you know Rachel? And she's like, who's Rachel? And he's like, well, that's that new girl uh, in our small group at church. And I'm thinking of asking her out. Wow. Okay, at Ouch. this point, Ashley is either going to burst into tears, punch him in the face, <laughs> or go home and eat three pints of Ben and Jerry's. Or all um, the above. <laughs> because she has just realized that she has, for a year and a half, been in a situationship or a friend relationship. Wow. But there's no... Nothing was defined, nothing. They, he never said they were dating. And so where did her expectations come from? And so that's why there's a lot of muddiness around this, a lot of hurt around it. And folks need to figure out how to head that off at the pass. So should she have just slipped him a note that said, do you like me? Check yes or no. And that would have defined <laughs> it or how did you... that would definitely be helpful. However, <laughs> um, once you're past junior high, it's usually okay. un, uh, not the best way of doing things. Um, no, what you have to do is this is why I'm a big fan of defining the relationship. So what really what what happens in a lot of these relationships is people are giving up too much for what they are getting in return. So I always say for every person, whether they're in a friendship or a dating relationship or whatever, the amount of connection that you have with a person should never exceed the amount of commitment you have with them. And so for some people, this includes, you know, when a relationship gets sexual, you know, I mean, all of a sudden it's like, well, we're just friends or maybe we're dating. 
But now I have this connection with you. And right. when that relationship implodes, there's going to be a lot of hurt all around because mm. you have gone you have gone extra steps in connection without the commitment being in place. Yeah. So um, really what you have to do is is it's a it's a matter of um, establishing and even withholding saying, you know, because we are at this level, we are friends by definition. What do friends do? Friends hang out, you know, and for a for a Christian couple, it's like until that ring is on the finger, honestly, you are a brother or a sister in Christ, nothing more. There should not be really anything different about the way that you're treating this person, except that as you get to know them and you start dating them, you're going to maybe spend some more time with them. You're going to maybe um, indicate, you know, interest in them and getting to know them for purposes other than friendship. And that's fine. But as far as the amount of um, emotional connection, the amount of intimacy you share, that is a very progressive thing that happens uh, up into and including engagement and then marriage. And there are signposts along the way that you have to stop and take note of in order to make that progression happen healthily. Lisa Anderson with us from Focus on the Family, the host of The Boundless Show. You hear that here at Faith Talk Atlanta. Boundless.org is a great a great place to go go to. Uh, could we say that uh, Lisa is, is uh, the Hallmark Channel's worst nightmare then? <laughs> what we well, the problem is it always works out on the Hallmark Channel. You yeah. know, I mean, or, or like I always say, women who like, you, you know, if you like I have seen the 17 versions of Pride and Prejudice that are out yeah. there, yeah. it works for them because for you to like hate someone at first and then within an hour and a half, you're in right. love with them. Right. That works in the movies. It doesn't always work in person. And so you yeah. have to, uh, yeah, put some thought and, and some prayer into that for sure. So mm -hmm. it is a tricky, uh, a tricky business, though. Yeah. My description of uh, the Hallmark Channel is, is that. And then at the end, it all works out. <laughs> Lifetime, somebody usually dies, a man or a woman in relationship. So there you yeah. go, Lisa Anderson. What have you said to, to young ladies, young, young men that have come to you and, and you describe what you just described to us? and the approach that they should take. And then they go, Lisa, you just don't understand. Mm -hmm. And they do, because here's the deal. You, this is an investment. You know, the, the reason that Ashley in my scenario didn't leave is because she felt she had just invested a year and a half of her life with this yeah. guy and yeah. she needs to hang on. I mean, guys, I know you're going to just, you know, you're going to flatline when I tell you this, but there are literally women I know who have done guys laundry uh, they cook him meals. They do all this. They decorate his apartment because their hope is by doing that, they are going to build some additional connections so that this guy will think of her as indispensable and will finally say, oh, I want this in my life consistently. And so I better start actually dating her and maybe thinking of her as a potential marriage partner. And so these women are giving up a lot. And um, and, and I shouldn't say now, sometimes guys are on the other end of this. You know, any guy who's listening, who has been the one who is the the weird kind of substitute girlfriend um, and, and listening ear for girls, or he becomes the perennial fix-it guy, or he's their Uber driver driver or he's, you know, guys can get used in relationships too. Yeah. And so um, you have to be careful on either end, but you have to recognize that um, I, I tend to say, usually to the daters who come to me, I say, look, you're going to have to have a hard conversation here if this has gone on. And it really involves 
pseudo breaking up with a person or reestablishing boundaries in this relationship and saying to them, and I've had people say this before, um, you can no longer have access to me in the way that you have access to me without anything being defined, without any level of commitment to this. I need you to basically fish or cut bait. We need to figure out what this is and where it's going. And in fact, I will tell on myself, you guys, I'm going to tell on myself and a friend of mine because I let's hope she's not listening. (laughs) Um, But anyway, my story is I actually was part of a group breakup of a friend relationship. So it was a group of women uh, from church hanging out with a group of guys. We were all in the same kind of Sunday school community. And we would just always do stuff together because it was so convenient. We always knew everyone was available. And finally, us ladies are like, uh, none of these guys are really asking us out. Why are we spending so much time with them? And so we as a group broke up with them collectively <laughs> to say, <laughs> we're just going to stop this pattern. Because again, here's what's ha- what happens is if you're hanging out with these guys all the time, All the other guys who are out there that might think that you're a person they want to date, well, they're assuming you're dating these guys, so they're not going to come near you. And so, and that is exactly what happened too to a friend of mine who, hold on to your seats, guys, uh, seven years she was in. Wow. Wow. Seven years. That was the bulk of her 20s. She was going after a guy and being his best friend and hanging out with him. Everything that I mentioned, she got to know his family. She would do family Christmases with them. She became best friends with his mom. And after seven years, the only reason she broke it off is she was so convicted that he had become an idol in her life that she knew she had to do something about it. Hmm. And she sat down with him in a restaurant after seven years and broke up with him from a non-relationship. He was like, what? I just always thought we were friends. Wow. And for her, it was like a divorce and it took her two years to get over this guy. Meanwhile, those seven years of her 20s, no other guys were asking her out because they yeah. all thought that she was dating this guy. Right. And so, I mean, what a waste. And she realizes that now. But I hope that listeners listening will find that out before it's too late. Wow. Lisa Anderson with us, uh, The Valley Show. I was going to ask you, is there what, what, what happened in that seven year relationship? Yeah, no doubt, right? I mean, yeah. seven years, you think about, it, I'm thinking about, you know, why in like maybe two years you figure out, hey, where's this going? Maybe I should yeah. go somewhere else. But seven long years, she had that much hope that he would say, yeah, let's yeah. do it. And there was some, I mean, and again, I don't put all the fault on her because again, this is where I would say that, you know, and I knew this guy, um, we were in similar circles he very much led her on. And again, he was, he enjoyed the attention. He enjoyed the companionship. He enjoyed having his girl Friday, you know, always there just at the drop of a hat to do, you know, whatever, um, to, to do a spontaneous trip up to, you know, Denver or doing, you know, whatever. And so it's like, again, both people are getting something from this relationship, which is what makes it so dysfunctional because it seems like it's okay. And it seems fun. But when, you realize and you do the math and you're like, what's my end goal here? My end goal is to find a life partner and to move into a healthy relationship with someone um, that really is going to go the distance. And if that's not happening, it's time to maybe ask some hard questions and maybe uh, ratchet things back a bit. Yeah. Lisa Anderson with us, The Vanless Show. If you can, Lisa, if you'll stay with us for another segment, we've got a, a few extra minutes. Dan, if we can do that, 
we can keep her on. Uh, you're, you're listening to Faith Talk Live. I'm Rick Probst with Dan Radcliffe and Lisa Anderson. Hey, we are so excited to have Lisa. We get Lisa from time to time on the on the show, and and she's uh, just a wealth of 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 knowledge and inspiration. We love her sarcasm too. It's really yes, really the spiritual really, gift that she has. Yeah, Valentine's <laughs> Day, Valentine's Day coming up, uh, Lisa. And we had talked last segment or just a few minutes ago about situation ships. Um, let's talk, uh, uh, what are you saying about the Valentine's day and relationships? Maybe not situationships, but, but maybe true, true on relationships. What's on your podcast. What's on your radar. What's going on? Yeah. Well, about half of my audience hates me when I talk about Valentine's day, because I actually love it. I'm a big proponent of Valentine's day, but not because, you know, it's so funny. I mean, maybe you guys can attest to this. I feel like singles act like, you know, and we know that Valentine's day for singles is called singles awareness day, sad um, (laughs) so that we can all just collectively cry uh, into our box of candy hearts. But I don't know a single married person that loves Valentine's day. I mean, I feel like guys out there are like, this is a lot of pressure do I have to get a restaurant reservation? What am I going to buy my wife? Because whatever I do, she's going to hate it or think Mm -hmm. it's dumb or her friend got something better. I mean, it's like, (laughs) I talked to so many married couples who are like, do you want to just come over like for a game night? Because we're not doing anything. (laughs) I don't think singles need to be all that sad about Valentine's Day. What I think is a great opportunity is to reach out. I mean, first of all, um, you know, Valentine's Day is a great opportunity uh, to evidence love, not just romantic love, but towards many people in your sphere. And one thing that I love to do is get together some of my elderly friends, most of them widows, and have a galentines. And uh, these are women who, you know, maybe they don't have kids even in state. They've just become friends of mine through church or through my neighborhood or whatever. And so we'll get together. We'll watch a movie. I'll bake some cookies or a cake or something like that. And it just is an opportunity to bless them and Mm -hmm. to not feel sorry for myself and my other single friends sometimes join as well. And so uh, there are opportunities there to just do something fun and be about other people. And so we don't have to let the day own us. We don't have to let the day destroy us for sure. And so, um, but at the same time, you know, if you if you are dating or if you want to be dating someone, you know, in fact, we were just talking about this on the show, how, you know, Valentine's Day is not really the best day to do a first date no, um, just, don't do that. just because, I mean, talk about pressure. Uh, you know, you're, you're really setting yourself up for something there. And I mean, I can tell you every woman that gets asked on a first date on Valentine's day is like, has this guy been like stalking me for three years? Like why date? <laughs> what's going on here? A lot of awkwardness around that. So, um, but for most it's kind of every, any other day, but it is kind of a good time to take you know, to assess like, okay, you know, you're now a little bit into the new year. What does your dating life look like? Is there someone that you want to pursue? Um, for a lot of singles, it's kind of rounding out the the holiday trifecta of horribleness that is yeah. Christmas, New Year's, and Valentine's Day, where every single person is like, here's another holiday I don't have a date for, and <laughs> people are asking me, what is up with my love life? So um, <laughs> you got to kind of be prepared for it. Don't approach Valentine's Day like it's going to, you know, don't let it hit you like the flu. Yeah. Um, but there are really ways to redeem the day that are fun. 
Lisa Anderson, Boundless.org, The Boundless Show. And you guys just celebrated 15 years on The Boundless Show. Can you believe it? I can't even believe it. You guys, I can say this because I cannot take credit for this. They asked me to host this show when it began. So I have literally been doing it for 15 years. But this podcast was the boundless, that original team's idea. It was three married dudes who had kids. And I mean, that was at the beginning of podcasting. So the average podcast lasts six months or 18 episodes. And so the fact that we've been around for 15 years now is super fun. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually was a young adult when I started hosting the show. Um, You still are a young adult. I like to say I still am, at least in spirit. But now that I have interns who weren't born on 9-11, I (laughs) recalibrate some of that and I'm entering into grandma mode here with some of them. So, Wow. Yeah. Do you ever go back and uh, listen to any of them? And if you do, is there a favorite podcast about a boundless show podcast or or show that you've aired well we just did so folks can check it out for our 15th anniversary show which actually came out on the 15th anniversary january 26th at boundless.org we did a compilation of a bunch of clips from shows throughout the years and it is wild to see uh how it's changed to see some of the you know different things that i said or didn't say um (laughs) So for me, there are a few highlights. Uh, I actually opened up my first episode of the show by saying, hi, I'm Lisa Anderson, and I'm contemplating buying a gun. Um, That was my first line. It was um, born out of that night, that previous night, I had a large piece of art fall off the wall in my living room, and I thought someone had broken into my house. And it precipitated an hour-long back and forth in my head about like, do I run after this person with a spatula? Do I, I don't own a gun. I don't know how to defend myself. And so I brought that into the show and it kind of went from there. Um, But of course I've had so many great guests. I mean, you can name, I mean, Johnny Erickson Tata, Francis Chan, um, my own precious Bill Gaither of Southern Gospel fame. Anyone who listens to the show know I love me some Bill Gaither, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I've gotten to tell my story of singleness on the show, obviously, throughout the years. And then all my everyday guests of just young adults who talk about slugging it out and walking through life, uh, being faithful to God in the process. And so it's been a neat ride. Very cool. Good stuff. Lisa Anderson from Focus on the Family, the host of The Boundless Show. Go back and uh, listen to some of the best dubs and listen to this uh, 15th anniversary one. Excited about that. Boundless Lisa, as always, what a blessing you are. We love having you on the show. We look forward to uh, more visits in 2023. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. This is Faith Up. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost 
and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.